Hello and welcome back to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Conley. So glad that you're with us. We've got a great guest today. Lance Benanimi has been a friend and someone who has enlightened me on infrastructure and transportation here in the state of Michigan. He is with the Michigan Infrastructure and Transportation Association, uh, serves as the Vice President of Governmental Affairs. He knows the ins and outs of what's going on in Michigan politics, but especially when it comes to our infrastructure. Lance, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, Tony, for having me on. And what we try to do, Lance, is really focus on how the media covers uh, different aspects of politics, of government, of uh, could be sports, as we've had Tom Izzo on the program. And so that's what you and I are going to tackle together. First of all, just to let our listeners know, talk a little bit about what you guys do at the association. Sure. So the Michigan Infrastructure and Transportation Association formed in 2007. We represent uh, nearly 600 Michigan companies that uh, build our roads, bridges, underground water and sewers, dams, utilities, all types of infrastructure across our state. Let's go right to the big cheese, Gretchen Whitmer, who is our governor. She campaigned and was elected on Fix the Damn Roads. When it comes to this last year, even though I know we've had COVID to deal with, how are we doing in regards to fixing our roads? Yeah, well, the governor, if we can remember, proposed a 45 cent gas tax increase in her first term that fell very flat in the legislature and didn't receive really any compromise or any response to that. So she did what she could on her own without going through the legislature in which she decided to bond, which we've had previous governors do the same. So she bonded for $3.5 billion over a five-year period. So to answer your question very shortly, Tony, we're doing pretty well. The pandemic has been good construction seasons for both years. Why didn't we find any common ground when it came to the governor's legislative idea? Why couldn't we come to compromise? You know, that's a question that we've been asking for decades. We had a 2015 compromise road funding package that did insert over a billion dollars more, but it fell quite short of what we needed overall. And um, that was the best we could do under a completely controlled Republican legislature. And so when you have, you know, Republicans and Democrats um, on, you know, both sides of the aisle representing the majority or you have one in the executive branch, uh, it's tough to come to the middle. Uh, and I think a lot of lawmakers were sticker shocked by the 45 cent proposal that the governor uh, did propose. Well, I get the 45 cent uh, sticker shock. There's an article I talk a lot about with folks who I interview, Lance, and it talked about how Ronald Reagan and then Speaker of the House Tip O'Neill were on different sides of the aisle, obviously, but how Tip would show up at uh, the White House and he'd have a box of cigars and a bottle of scotch. And apparently outside the door to where those two would be meeting, you could hear profanity and yelling and screaming and pounding on the desk. And several hours later, these guys would come out of a room, meet directly with the media. Tip would still have the cigar in his mouth and they found common ground. Why can't we do that here in the state of Michigan? Uh, You know, that's an excellent question. And it's something I think a lot of people have asked uh, many times over. Uh, I started my career uh, with Senator Shirley Johnson, um, and she was notorious for those deals that were made behind closed doors, notorious for going across the aisle to reach common ground. Um, It just seems like um, we're so polarized now in politics that 
it's not about the issue. It's about winning and losing. And unfortunately, you know, in my issue, infrastructure roads don't have Republican or Democratic titles on them. Um, they're all of our roads. And so it's not a political thing for, for roads, but that gets caught up in politics all the time. We're, we've been a political football for decades. Lance, when it comes to Michigan's roads, what would it take really to get them so we had some of the best roads in America? Yeah, so um, we've actually done a pretty good job of rating our roads over the year. Um, and to get them up to that 95% good and fair conditioned roads, the last um, study has shown that we need $2.2 billion more every year um, ongoing each year um, to get to that percentage of good and fair roads. Now, analysts has not been done since the new road funding package that's coming through the federal government and also um, the governor's bonding. So I think we'll see a trend, um, hopefully dipping over uh, better roads uh, over the next five to 10 years as we invest that money in our roads and bridges. Um, but certainly it's not a long-term sustainable solution that we desperately need. Okay. I guess I'm looking for that number. Where are we at now and what would it take to get us in utopia when it comes to roads? Right. The last study we saw was $2.2 billion annually increase. And that was 2016. And do you see anything in the short term that would lead you to believe we might find compromise? You know, again, we've seen some good investments coming out. What I'm fearful is, is that these investments coming from the federal government um, and the bonding program from the governor um, will look and appear that we've actually solved the problem, um, which we have not done. Lance, when it comes to roads, when we come back from break, I want to talk a little bit about who helps us out more here, uh, the Republican or the Democratic side when it comes to trying to get this done? I don't mean to put you in the middle, but we'll talk about that when we come back. We're talking with Lance Beninimi, who is the Vice President of Governmental Affairs, uh, and he has uh, been so kind to give us some time. He is with the Michigan Infrastructure and Transportation Association. This is Media Business, and you're listening to the Michigan Business Network. something to grow it takes time like the equity in your home that's why LaughQ offers a home equity line of credit because frequent watering of your house plants may be recommended now can we get a new roof not so much the rest of the house want the best rates for a home equity line of credit ask for LaughQ stop in today or go to laughq.com slash home equity LaughQ your credit union for life And welcome back to the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Connolly. This is Media Business. We're talking with Michigan Infrastructure and Transportation Association Vice President of Governmental Affairs, Lance Beninimi. Lance, just with your experience, when it comes to trying to find compromise and trying to get our roads fixed, who's the biggest deterrent? Is it the Republicans or the Democrats, or does it just depend who's in the governor's office? Yeah, it really depends on many more factors than just an R and a D behind their name. We found um, more receptive proposals out of the Democrats, and that couldn't surprise anyone um, as they're more willing to take tax increase votes than Republicans have traditionally done. Um, but again, um, if we look at the history of what we've done in road funding in Michigan, the last road funding package came from a completely controlled Republican Senate and House and Governor Rick Snyder, who was also a Republican. So money talks and bullshit walks. But 
um, you know, that's the last thing that we've seen out of either party. And Lance, when we're talking about the roads, does that also include bridges? It does. Yep. Yep. Right. There's a special dedicated percentage of money that goes towards bridges out of every increase that we have. Lance, where do we stand when it comes to trucks and trucking and weight limits and how we stand with other states? Is what we charge truckers to use our roads, is uh, the weight limits that we have, are they in line with other states in the Midwest? Yeah, in terms of what we charge our truckers, it is um, comparable to what other states charge. Um, We do allow higher weight limits than any other state in the country. Um, that's total gross weight. Now, studies will show that um, what you need to measure is per axle weight in terms of doing destruction to the road. And we have some of the lowest per axle rates. Um, so we have a higher overall weight, but it's spread out throughout the truck. On top of that, there's the 86,000 um, pound um, regulation that's federally done. We are grandfathered into that. So we allow 168,000 pounds on our roads total, but we only have less than 5% of our trucks uh, on the road actually carry that amount of weight over 86,000 pounds. And I would imagine we see a lot of traffic because especially that uh, I-94 corridor, which, uh, you know, the bulk of that from Chicago, you know, all the way through Detroit. Yeah. During the um, road funding debate that finally ended in 15, uh, then speaker Jace Bolger would um, famously say, you know, I drive that 94 stretch almost every day and I don't want to see double the trucks. Um, and that's what you're talking about. If you lower weights, it's not going to stop commerce from going to and from. It's going to mean more trucks on the road. Lance, when we talk about that I-94 corridor, which all of us have driven many times, why don't they widen that out more, especially through that Ann Arbor area? Yeah, you know, I'm hopeful and you'd have to talk to the Department of Transportation, but I'm hopeful that it can be included in one of those projects that they have some money in the federal infrastructure package that just passed. There's some additional money that can have regional uh, impact. And I would guess that the 94 quarter has huge regional impact between the other states that it provides for. And so, you know, I've heard in the past that you have a lot of land that you have to purchase, and that's been troubling over the years. Again, you'd have to ask the planners and the owners of those, uh, the Department of Transportation. When it comes to the gas tax, where does Michigan rate? Where do they stand in regards to other states? You know, just specifically in our gas tax, uh, we're the lowest amongst the Great Lakes states. Um, and we're middle of the ground. What we always get turned up on is we have a 6% sales tax on our fuel. Um, we are one of only five states that assess any sales tax on their motor fuel. Um, and we're the only state that doesn't utilize any of that money for its roads and bridges. It's simply all that money goes into the school aid fund and other projects through a distribution, just the typical sales tax does on any item or good. And so um, that artificially inflates our gas tax. Do you foresee that increasing anytime soon? Um, You know, again, we're hopeful that lawmakers will understand that the money that's coming in over the next five or so years is not a long-term sustainable solution. Uh, My members are gearing up for Uh, which is what politicians have asked for us to do on employees, training employees, on equipment purchases. Our employers have been gearing up for that. When all of this money goes away in five years, those companies are going to be overinflated and hopefully don't have to leave the state like they did in the 2008-2009 recession. When it comes to media coverage, where do we stand and how we report 
what's going on with the roads uh, in all aspects when it comes to taxes, when it comes to where they stand, usage, and the whole. Yeah, I would say the media in Michigan is pretty fair uh, when it comes to infrastructure and roads. The one thing that I've found over my years is they will grab onto one specific thing, and that will be the one thing, you know, it'll be the gospel. That's the only example I can come up with is, you know, back in 2011, when Governor Snyder uh, announced the infrastructure package, um, it was a $1.4 billion problem. Um, And then when his state of the state in 2012, it was a $1.2 billion problem. And as soon as that $1.2 billion number came out, the media grabbed onto that. And now it was a fight for $1.2 instead of a $1.4 billion. Right. When we come back, we're going to talk with Lance uh, about typical questions that we may be misinformed about. I'm sure he gets them constantly. We're going to dive into that here on Media Business. I'm Tony Connolly, and this is the Michigan Business Network. hiring capital area michigan works can assist you with your hiring needs all at no cost from large-scale hiring assistance to locating the right candidate for a hard-to-fill position capital area michigan works is your resource we offer creative solutions from career fairs to on-the-job training grants and scholarship programs to make sure you have the best and brightest employees visit our website at www.camw.org to learn more about how we can assist your business with its hiring needs Welcome back to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Conley, and we're talking with Lance Beninimi from the Michigan Infrastructure and Transportation Association. All right, Lance, uh, when we talk about infrastructure, I think so many of us don't do enough of the homework to really speak in an objective way. So let's talk about some of the things that you think that the public is misinformed about. What's at the top of your head when we talk about Yeah, that? you know, I think the overall misinformation is that road builders are just throwing on poor material. There's no checks and balances on what material they're making, and they're just slapping on and they have no responsibility or liability over the road after it's run down. And of course, that's what they want to do because they want to build the road again the quicker they can build it again. And that's just a misinformation. We have some of the best road builders in the country, and we have some of the most stringent specifications on the type of materials that we can use on our roadways. So Lance, if, for example, as opposed to using blacktop in some areas, for example, in the quarter or I-94, why not just put concrete down and be done with it? Yeah. So, and that is, if they're reconstructing the road, that could be a potential. Um, They go through a, a huge life cycle analysis and cost analysis within the department to determine whether it'll be asphalt or whether it'll be concrete. And that's another thing that uh, within the public that may be not understood is sometimes uh, we're not doing a full reconstruct on a road. We're doing a, a two or three inch layover that's only supposed to last for three to five years, but it prolongs the life of that road underneath. And the public's like, oh, they just did this three, five years ago. What are they doing? And that was the intent. But back to your question, you know, they go through some rigorous, and it's a lot of science that uh, we have two engineers on staff that I like to defer these questions to, but um, they go through a rigorous life cycle cost analysis through the Department of Transportation to decide what materials to use. And I can hear some folks when they hear this interview, well, Tony, what do you think Lance is going to say? You know, he's working for an association, you know, that represents people that want to continue building our roads. So do you look at representing us users of the roads and how does that weigh into what you do? 
Yeah, I've gotten a great education and sense of what goes into building our infrastructure. Um, I've had the fortune of working for the association for 11 years. And now, unlike my past association where I represented bars and restaurants, these are family-owned establishments, uh, family-owned businesses that rely and they hire hundreds of people, thousands of people throughout the state. And when you get down and to see what is actually going into the process, how deep they are to reconstruct a road, you know, how close these individuals are to traffic that is erratic and distracted. I do look at it from the user's perspective. No one's wasting money out there. Uh, we certainly, I think, again, have some of the best uh, road and bridge builders in the country. And it's proven that most of these companies exist in other states um, and do very well in those states as well. So um, yeah, and my friends don't let me down either. Uh, <laughs> trust me, especially my friends back home. Um, anytime they hit a pothole, they give me a call. When it comes to COVID, a lot of folks were shut down, but I can recall a lot of road construction continuing. So it, at least that business can continue doing their work. Yeah, fortunately, um, you know, we work in an environment where it's relatively safe. It's outdoors. Um, and so the risk factors of getting contracted with COVID or having uh, mass outbreaks were pretty low. Um, and I think the government uh, rightfully and our, the industry worked together to ensure that some of the safety measures were put in place. Um, and we were following proper CDC guidelines. Um, when an individual was sick, they were immediately taken off the team. And so, but the good news was, is there was less traffic and certainly um, the ability to build uh, roads. Uh, during the pandemic has been very high. Lance, any other misconceptions people may have or we in the media may have about the work you do, about how our roads are fixed, how money is spent? Yeah, I think, you know, the warranty question is always one that I always um, find intriguing because, um, you know, people think, again, these roads are, they fall apart within a day or two days. We have actually the most warranties on our roads than compared to any other state in the country. Um, and if you take out Florida, we have more warranties on our roads than all of the other 48 states combined. Um, and so our guys back their, their workmanship up, uh, they back their warranties up. And, and of course, um, you know, uh, things happen and sometimes materials fail. Um, so we can all point to a specific road that they remember that they put in that had to be torn out. Um, and, and usually that's at the contractor's expense, but uh, the public doesn't always know that. Do we in the media cover uh, this topic the way we used to say 20, 30 years ago? No, I don't recall it totally 23 years ago, but I think that there's been less emphasis put on our infrastructure um, in general. And I don't know that that's the media's fault. Um, I just think in general, we don't take pride in our infrastructure, and our road systems like we did in the 50s and 60s. We don't take pride in a lot of things uh, these days, unfortunately, in our systems that we used to 20, 30 years ago. So so Lance, uh, what could we in the media do to be better, to inform our listeners uh, more efficiently? You know, I think the one thing is, is this issue isn't going away if we don't do anything. And I think that's the one thing that I don't know that we do a good enough job at the association, let alone the media, uh, try to emphasize enough is that this issue does not go away. Uh, it gets worse, actually, and it gets more expensive. That's a tough issue. You know what I hear a lot, Lance, and I bet you do too, is I hear folks say, I'll pay whatever. If we can just get them fixed and they last a little bit, I'd be good with it. Do you hear the same? I do. Unfortunately, uh, there isn't a trust in 
our state government, and that goes all the way down to the Department of Transportation. There isn't the trust to put in to say, oh, I will. Politicians are very fearful of taking a stance on something like that and then not having enough people believe that. Again, I think it has to do a lot with the trust of government right now. So do you think there is a fear factor? I'm curious, do these representatives represent their constituents when it comes to this, or are they just doing what they think is right, which may lead them to a political avenue? Yeah, I think we all get into our silos um, and we hear what we want to hear and we can convince ourselves of really any topic that we want to. And, you know, I've had a lot of lawmakers tell me, oh, there's not a single person in my district that thinks that we need better roads. And we all know that's not true. Maybe not anyone that that person has been talking to over the last two weeks um, because they don't want to pay for more. But again, I think we get caught up in our silos and we get distracted on what the real topics and issues. Going back to our original conversation, it's about winning and losing. It's not about what the policies are. We've been talking with Lance Beninimi, who is the Vice President of Government Affairs for Michigan's Infrastructure and Transportation Association. Lance, I appreciate you so much. Stay warm, and uh, I look forward to driving over uh, (laughs) newly covered roads. Me too. Thanks, Tony. It was good to see you. All right. Take care. I'm Tony Connolly. You've been listening to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network.